This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. This is the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast, and I'm your host, John Hudspeth. I'm very glad you guys are here with me today. I feel like I can finally kind of take a giant breath of relief. Uh, for those of you who are uh, you know, consistent listeners, y'all probably know what's going on. If there's any new people listening, um, just to give you a little update. So we're coming into the fourth week of October as I'm recording this. Uh, since October 1st, I have been to three weddings two funerals, uh, my anniversary, and my wife's birthday, all in that short amount of time. Uh, in that same amount of time, I have got to hunt, I think, two mornings and one evening. That's it. This is probably by far the least I've ever gotten to hunt the first month of the season. Uh, and of course, it's like my first full hunting season having this podcast, so it doesn't make me look good. But all that stuff is behind me now. It's all out of the way. Wedding season's over. Um, I have a big uh, problem with all the ladies out there who think October is the only month of the entire year that you can get married. Uh, my wife is included in that. But uh, as I've mentioned before, you know, my wife really wanted an October wedding. I was very against an October wedding, um, but she has an October birthday, and so I gave in. And so our wedding is the same week as her birthday. So kind of get a two for one there because I was going to be, you know, uh, having some trouble, some scheduling conflicts with her birthday anyway. So all that to say, all that stuff is behind me now. I am ready to hunt. I'm ready to go. Like my season is really officially starting now. So uh, I'm headed out this coming weekend, which will be the first weekend of muzzleloader season. And uh, man, I can't even decide if I want to take my muzzleloader. I, like, I haven't got to do enough bow hunting yet. And so I'm kind of thinking about maybe just sticking with the bow this weekend and uh, wait until the next weekend, Halloween weekend, to bust out the muzzleloader. Um, who knows? Who knows? I I love that weekend of Halloween. If you're, we'll talk about that in a second. If, uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to get ahead of myself too much. But so that's what I've been up to. Not a lot to report. Um, I have you know gone up to, out to the ranch several times and done some scouting. Uh, like I said, a little bit of hunting. Uh, I was up there on Sunday afternoon this last weekend. Uh, and I've talked about our, our river property, the, a new property we bought this year. We bought it for hay. It's, uh, it's on a river, has a center pivot and all that. Um, but we just recently planted our fall crop, which is, uh, let's see here, oats and like a forage turnip, uh, not turnip, radish, I'm sorry, forage radish. And so anyway, I did a bunch of scouting around there because I've been trying to figure out if there's going to be deer on this property or not. There's almost no cover. Um, it's just... 
basically Bermuda pasture in every direction around us. Um, there was one little corner on the neighbors that was pretty nasty this summer. I thought could hold a lot of deer, but I went and checked on it and they have brush hogged it because there's a lot of pecan trees. And so I assume they brush hogged it in preparation to go in there and harvest the pecans. And so I've had a camera out there for several months. I got one picture of one doe and that was like three months ago. And so, uh, I checked that camera. I'd even poured some corn out in front of that camera, trying to get something, got nothing. And, uh, I walked through the fields a bunch, not a single deer track. Uh, so I haven't completely given up on it, but as of right now, that property is just, it's just looking like it's not going to be a good hunting property, unfortunately. Um, been getting the other properties kind of ready to go still doing some scouting. Like I said, checking some cameras, um, I, I have some bucks kind of on the radar. Um, they've still been pretty nocturnal. Um, like you've also heard me, t heard me talk about, you know, our place is a true cattle place. You know, cattle have access to almost the entire thing. And even though we, you know, manage them really well and move them around, there's just not that much that grows up. And so I got a few little spots that I can kind of control and keep the cows out of. Um, but, uh, just not a lot of daylight, uh, buck activity, but hopefully as the temperatures cool down and we get closer to the rut, that's going to change. Um, of course this weekend, my first like full weekend to go hunting, it's supposed to get back up like into the upper eighties or something like that. And so, uh, I am going to hunt this weekend, but not a lot of high hopes. Um, you know, probably going to stay out of my good areas and wait for the conditions to get better. Um, but you know, we're not that far away from where it's going to be time to go in there anyway. And so I do want to touch on that a little bit before we get into the main part of the podcast, just kind of just a few little quick rut reminders, rut tips, because we're, we're just about there guys. So I got four strategies here. I want to touch on real quick before we get into the main podcast. And, uh, there's kind of, well, most of them are like calling techniques, uh, just ways to get deer in front of you that a lot of people use. And I don't know if everybody necessarily knows how or when to use them. So I want to touch on them. Uh, like I said, just real quick, we're going to kind of blow through this. So the first one is grunting or grunt tube. Uh, I think out of all of these, this one's probably the one that will work in the, widest array of situations you know over the widest amount of time grunting something deer that do they do mostly during the rut but they will grunt other parts of the year uh really year round and so uh i think right now you definitely need to have a grunt tube with you at all times uh, i'm not a big fan of blind grunting i know it can work uh, but I really like to use a grunt tube when I can actually see the deer. You know, if there's a buck out there and it doesn't look like he's going to come my way, um, you know, I'll throw a, a grunt or two out there, see how he responds. And, and again, that's kind of why I like to see the deer before I grunt because deer are going to act you know, differently depending on how they've experienced grunts in the past. So, uh, there was one, uh, really big buck last year I saw grunted at him and he immediately turned and ran away. I mean, he was out of there. Um, but you know, there's been plenty of other times where I've gunned a deer, they've looked my way and come right in. And so, like I said, I, I'm going to wait until I make sure that deer is not coming my way first and then grunt. And I want to be able to see them so that I know if I, you know, if they're, if they look like they're interested, you know, if they take a few steps towards you or something, maybe you throw out another one, but be patient. You know, you're not calling ducks, you're calling deer. They're not super vocal. Uh, and so take it easy and just kind of play the situation. 
Uh, the next one I want to talk about is rattling. Uh, we're coming up pretty darn quick to good rattle time. I normally don't like to rattle until at the earliest, usually like the 25th of October. Um, I usually like to kind of wait a little later, usually like November 1st. Um, it's just if you do it too early, you're much more likely to spook a buck away than you are to bring them in i think um or you know they don't have that aggression built up yet and maybe they're curious but they're gonna sneak down wind of you instead of maybe just coming in on a string like they might when they when their adrenaline's going and they're you know really fired up uh and so yeah rattling it's about that time i know texas a&m galveston and i believe maybe mississippi state has a uh, uh, done research on rattling and pretty much all the research that's ever been done on rattling they have agreed that as loud and as hard as you can do it is always better um there's no need to do the your little soft tingling first and then like pretty much every every research project that has been done on rattling just hit those antlers as hard as you can you know if you're on the ground or you know can like rake leaves with your foot or hit the branches on a leaf on a branch or something like that basically you want to be as loud and realistic as possible and so i personally have never had much luck uh rattling uh deer in i think it's just because i'm in a, maybe a little bit lower deer density area um, but it definitely can work, and especially I think the further west you go, the better it works personally. Um, just, you know, I've had some experience hunting a little further west, and it just seems like it works a whole lot better out there. So that's my two cents on rattling. Decoys. I have yet to kill a deer over a decoy, but that is definitely one of my goals. I, I bought one about three years ago, and I've tried it, you know, a couple times every year the past couple years. Uh, I just I don't think I've had the right situation when I've used it, um, but it is something I want to do so bad. I would just love to see a big old buck come, you know, swole walking into the decoy. So I don't want to give too much advice because, like I said, I have not been successful. I have done a bunch of research on it, and uh, I think the keys there are, one, making it visible, you know, getting it in a place where the deer can see it from long distance because that's the whole point of it is for it to bring deer in, you know, into range. And then um, from everything I've read, researched, seen, nine times out of ten, uh, a buck is going to approach a decoy from its head or, you know, basically straight on somewhat. It's going to get to its head. And so what I like to do with mine when I set them up, whichever way I'm going to have that deer facing, I push it off to the opposite side a little bit. So just to simplify things, let's say that decoy is going to be facing to my right. I like to move it to my left a little bit so that when that buck comes and circles in and moves over to its head, it's basically straight in front of me instead of off to my side, you know, out in front of that decoy. And so, like I said, the decoy is a tool. And so if you can use it to try to position that deer into a better spot for you to get a shot, that's the whole goal. The last thing I want to touch on real quick is scents. And I'm talking about like artificial lures, you know, the little glass bottles you buy at the sporting goods store. And uh, personally, I am not a big fan of these. I have bought plenty of them over the years. Um, I've done the whole, you know, scent drag thing where you tie a rag onto your boot and walk across the field and stuff like that. I've just never had a whole lot of success with them. And I think the more pressured place you hunt, the less they work. Um, you know, I've scouted pieces of public land and you just see those little 
white scent wicks just hanging all over the place, and I've found empty bottles and stuff. And I think the deer just get onto those scents, you know. Um, they, I'm not going to say they're not good, but they obviously are not probably as good and fresh as a live deer that just laid that scent down a few minutes before. And so I think people overuse them, like I said, especially in, you know, more hunted areas. Uh, you know, if you're fortunate enough to hunt a big piece of private property and you, you know, know who's been there, who hasn't and who's, who's used what, I think they can be a little more useful in that situation just because the deer aren't as wise to them. You know, they haven't smelt that smell a thousand times, you know, over the last mile of the trail. Um, and so I think they are, they do have their place. Um, if I was going to use one, I think the two things I would use it for is one, probably on a scrape, um, you know, just to add a different scent in there, maybe make them think that a different buck that they don't recognize is in there. And then the second one is just to get a deer to stop, you know, wherever, maybe you got a shooting lane or a tight spot or something like that, where you kind of know the deer is going to go through anyway, putting some scent out there just to make them, you know, hit the brakes, stop a little more. I mean, it's not necessarily natural, but more natural than you doing the old, uh, meh. And, uh, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily, um, lock them onto your location either you know if you make a noise they're going to stop and look at you and you know then you got the chance of them jumping the string or something like that and so again not a big scent guy but i do think they have their place so i just wanted to touch on those things real quick because we're getting into the heart of uh of deer season the heart of the rut and so uh so yeah that's my two cents on that stuff now we're going to jump into the real podcast. Uh, we have a returning guest. We're talking to Tyrell Roy. And, man, I have such a hard problem saying that name. Too many R's. Tyrell Roy and his wife, Carly. And they did something fantastic. They doubled on the same hunt out of the same tree. And so uh, he shot me over the picture, and I was like, man, i got to get you on to hear this story. So he was actually out in the wheat field. Uh, him and his family are wheat farmers. And so he was actually taking his dinner break and called me from the field. So I really appreciate them taking time out of their busy schedule to talk to us. And, uh, yeah, and then towards the end or after, you know, they kind of get into the story, we, we kind of go back and dissect it and talk about some things that I think everybody could learn from, you know, some things that led to their success and how they got not one but two really, really nice bucks in front of them, uh, you know, on the same hunt. And so so stick around all the way to the end. And, yeah, that's going to be about it. Get out there and hunt, guys. It's that time. Hunt smart, hunt hard, hunt long. You know, if you normally sit till 9, sit till 10, just be out there as much as humanly possible because we are coming into the best time of the entire year to be in the whitetail woods. So that's going to do it for me. Uh, that's going to do it for my intro. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Here is my interview with Tyrell and Carly Roy. Hey everybody, how are you guys doing today? We are talking to Tyrell and Carly Roy. How are y'all doing today? We are doing good. Doing good. Good. And Tyrell, you said y'all are out in the field right now, right? Yeah, I've been on the tractor uh, just about all day long planting, planting wheat and Carly just showed up with dinner. Very nice, very nice. Always nice to have somebody bring you out uh, dinner to the field when you're working late. So uh, I assume y'all, I assume y'all have GPS equipment on the tractor and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. doing a finishing up a 400 acre field right now, so definitely saves or makes the job a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. 
Nice. Carly, have you just been, you know, hanging out at home and relaxing, or you been working too? Um, I've been working a little bit. I'm, I am a stay-at-home mom, but we have a pretty big house renovation going on right now ah. um, on a property we just bought. So I've been splitting my time there, and then I do a little, a little helping on the farm, so that as well. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. I'm sure Tyrell's very thankful for you uh, bringing him some food out there. So. Yeah, it's definitely a highlight of the day, lunch and dinner. Yep, yep, absolutely. Well, cool, guys. Well, uh, Tyrell, you sent me a photo a few days ago, and I wanted to get you on the podcast as soon as I could. And uh, you guys have a pretty awesome story for us today. And so I'm going to kind of cut to the chase and really just hand the hand the keys over to you guys and let you all kind of tell your own story. Um, so you guys, like I said, I'm handing it over to you. Either one of y'all can start and just kind of walk me through what happened to y'all. Okay. Sounds good. I'll, I'll, uh, kind of tell the beginning. I'll, I'll let Carly take it over at, at her point. But, uh, so like Carly said, we're renovating a house and planning and I'm, I'm planning weed right now. So it's been super busy and that wasn't looking like I was going to have a whole lot of time to hunt this fall. Uh, I had one evening, Carly went to the city, and she accidentally took the, the house keys with her, so I <laughs> wasn't able to get in the house that evening. Uh-huh. So I called my brother up, and we went out after this tall, narrow deer that I was hunt- or wanted to hunt. And uh, one thing I've learned, you know, hunting over the years is that Every deer is, def- is different. They have their own personality, the way they go about things. But most of the mature deer that I've hunted uh, has really played the wind. So when we went to hunt this deer, he was coming into this turnip plot that I had. And I assumed that he was coming in on the downwind side every time. So we set up on the downwind side of this, this plot and... He, he just came straight into the plot, not playing the wind at all. So it, it kind of caught us by surprise. And I wasn't set up, like, close enough to shoot the food plot, but, you know, we could kind of see into it. And, I, I was like I said, I was expecting him to circle down wind of it. So we watched him in this food plot, and they would kind of – there was a couple bucks with him, and they would feed down the plot, and then they would feed back. It was super windy. They were kind of on edge – always moving around so i decided that i would get down out of my tree and try to sneak up a little closer to the food plot beans it was super windy and i knew i was going to have a very limited amount of time to hunt mm-hmm. so and my brother shane's in the tree with me filming so i want to climb down and he's going to hand my bow down and we're going to try to sneak up so i start climbing down and he has a gopro like going kind of facing me so I like look around and start climbing down and then like as I'm like a step or two down, that buck had just come off the food plot and went straight to our tree and, and was <laughs> literally like five yards from the tree. Mm. And I'm like climbing down and Shane's trying to get my attention and I can't hear him and I step on the on the ground and I hear that buck like snort and he he didn't know what it was, it's super thick where we were. Uh-huh. He didn't know what it was for sure he didn't smell it but he heard it heard me and saw me he ran like 30 yards and stopped looking all around and then he 
he just walked off, mm-hmm. you know, over this little hill. So I, I was disgusted with myself. I knew better than to get down from the tree and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So Shane gets down, and it's like, it's still like 40 minutes before dark. So we kind of ease up to, toward the plot, and there's, there's some other bucks out there. And this other buck comes in, and I end up shooting this other buck. It's a wide 10. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty disgusted with myself for botching that opportunity on that, that tall, narrow deer. Yeah. So, so we recover that deer, and then a week goes by, and we have, like, the perfect weather. And so Carly very graciously encouraged me to go after that deer. And again, but this time she was going to go with me. So we go back to that food plot. And this time I sat right on the edge of the plot. And I don't know how long we'd been there. A couple hours mm-hmm. we'd been in the tree hadn't, and hadn't seen the whole lot. Mm-hmm. And then finally, you know, the deer started moving. And he did the exact same thing. He didn't circle downwind or anything. He just came straight into the plot. Obviously, he's very comfortable in that environment. Mm-hmm. And so, so he really surprised us. He came right down the edge of the plot. Carl, who's filming, and we didn't see him until he was uh, probably like 40 yards from us. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of odd. One thing I've noticed, if we were kind of, talking about whatever but i cut some trees down or not trees but like some bigger limbs they still had a lot of leaves on them well these deer just came right to that those trees and were eating the leaves off these trees i'm like at (laughs) the bottom of our tree basically it's kind of crazy and so we were pretty pinned down there was deer all around us and of course we're trying to get the the shot on film carly's filming and he's in front of us for for a while just kind of milling around and then finally gives me a steep quartering away shot at like 18 yards and I, I heart shot him nice. it's, it's kind of funny because Carly thought I'd missed because she was watching through the, the camera mm. viewfinder which is a lot harder to see details uh-huh. thought I had shot under the deer and he, he takes off but I, I knew I did him I could see my arrow was there all bloody mm-hmm. but when this deer had come in like, all summer long, he, he spent the summer on a bean field, like, a quarter mile away. And there was this other deer that he was with pretty much all summer. It was just a mainframe 10, and he had, like, an inline point off his G4. And we had watched this deer all, all summer, but he hadn't been down to my food plot yet. But when this when the tall, tight deer walked out, this deer wasn't far behind him. And he was close when I shot the tall and tight deer and you can kind of see him in the camera viewfinder as he runs off with the deer that i had just shot uh-huh. so you know we're standing up and so you know i was celebrating i was pumped especially <laughs> after that deer gave me the slip the week prior and then to go out again and have a chance at him again mm-hmm. so we're you know we're excited talking and whatever and it was, it was early it was like five thirty when this happened so then we we're like well should we get down we well should we still have light because we watched the, the film back and yeah i'm like that's a dead deer he's and we thought we heard him crash too so mm. 
Like, do we get down and go try to find him, or do we wait till dark, you know, and see if anything else comes in? There was also some turkeys around, and Carly wanted to shoot a turkey. <laughs> so we're like, we'll, we'll wait here a little while and see what happens. So not 15 minutes later, that deer that was the deer that Carly ended up shooting comes out and kind of walks along the west edge of the plot and goes back into the woods. And then, so we're like, we're definitely just going to sit here for a while and, and see what happens. And, and so I'll, I'll let Carly kind of tell uh-huh. her, her. Okay, so we had, that deer kind of came out, the one that I was going to try to shoot. Um, he came out of the trees again, um, probably like 20 minutes after we had decided that we were going to stay in the tree. But then he went back into the trees. Um, and so I was kind of like, you know, this might not work out. But we, we were just going to wait it out. And so eventually he did come back out and he just hung out in the food plot for a while. But he kept making his way gradually towards us. And that is, I'm, I consider myself a beginner bow hunter and that is like i feel like the worst thing is when you watch your target buck for you know 15 minutes or however long Mm -hmm. it seems like an eternity yeah and i wouldn't say you're hunting Um, a beginner buck either (laughs) very nice deer (laughs) i was so eventually he made his way towards us and um we're trying to film it all which adds a little uh of a different aspect to it you know Mm -hmm. um because what I can see, Tyrell can't always see from that stand or whatever. I mean, we're in the same tree, but different angle. So, he, eventually he comes super close, and I I drew back. I want to say I drew back and let down three different times mm. before I actually drew back to shoot him. Um, I would draw back, and then he would either walk out of range or walk out of camera, uh, the camera angle or... Or he wouldn't give me what I thought would be a good shot. You know, he was quartering towards me too much or directly away or whatever. But eventually I pulled back for the fourth, I think it was the fourth time. And um, he was, I think, 20 yards. And Tyrell stopped him and and then I shot him. And um, and, in the beginning, I thought the shot might be a little high. Mm -hmm. It did look high. And I didn't get a ton of penetration, but um, being at the being in the tree, that angle really helped me. So we waited for a while and got down and we pretty much tracked our, it was crazy. Our blood trails from our deer were about five yards apart. Hmm. I mean, they ran almost the same exact trail. Like at some point we couldn't figure out which blood was from which deer. Hmm. So it was, it was pretty crazy. And uh, it was a good experience. A lot of times we don't get to go out together anymore, Mm -hmm. having a baby and, or a toddler. It was, it was pretty special. To yeah. Us. Yeah. I think that's a cool lesson too for people's like, you know, like you said, both y'all's deer went to the same place. I, you know, I think that's probably something that happens in a lot of places like deer know where they're safe. You know, they know where they feel safe and like if they get injured or hurt or whatever, like they're going to go to that place. And a lot of times that's, you know, the same place no matter what deer it is because they know where it's safe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. It was, we, uh, when we got down, we found Tyrell's deer probably 10 yards into the woods or 15 yards into the woods. Mm-hmm. And then we were going to back out at least for a few hours, maybe even overnight on my deer, just to make sure we didn't bump him, you know. And mm-hmm. But Tyrell took about 
I went like 20 yards inside the woods mm-hmm. just to try to see the, the direction that he had gone. And we, we saw him laying back there about 50 yards past where his buck had laid. So. Nice, nice. So it's kind of kind of a crazy because her, her deer died like literally like 12 feet from this old silo. And so this <laughs> this all took place on a farm we call the homestead that has been in her family since literally since the home or the land run they have uh-huh. the original deed to this property and there's the old homestead back there. there's an old falling down house and it's all grown up now but there's this old brick silo back there and this deer died like 12 feet from it that is kind of cool. crazy to think you're like hunting and what used to be a, a yard basically uh-huh huh that's yeah, really a lot, cool a lot of history yeah, yeah. It, it's really special to um we don't take that for granted having that mm-hmm. you know having that history and then now we take our daughter out there it's just really special to us that so. is yeah, really i think cool. our daughter's on like carly's side she's our daughter's the eighth generation mm. you know in the, the farm around here so that's awesome yeah, so they don't have the land anymore, but I might have mentioned this last time Tyrell was on, but uh, my grandma, she still has her family's uh, certificate from the Oklahoma Land Rush. and so. But we, oh, yeah. we don't have the cool part of also still having the land, <laughs> So, but it is, but it is <laughs> yeah. a neat piece of history. So uh, I'm going yeah. to I'm, I'm ask Carly this. Carly, which one of y'all's deers are bigger? Uh, Tyrell's is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. It, it is deer is bigger and definitely more unique. Yeah, it's very unique. That's a really cool looking deer. But I mean, yours is definitely not too shabby either. So you definitely shouldn't feel bad. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I was, I, any I feel like any time I get to go out and you know have a crack at mature deer, some of the deer that we're hunting, you know, aren't they're super old, but their mm-hmm. racks are you know not huge. Yeah, but yeah. And, yeah. at this point in my bow hunting. I don't know if you say career or whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like every time I go out, I learn something new. So that's good. It's a great opportunity, really. Yeah, that's part yeah. of it. Um, I do have a, a few questions. Uh, Here, or go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I got to say, it's, def- it's definitely been fun. Sorry about that. It's definitely nah. been fun to see Carly um, like progress mm-hmm. as a bow hunter. Because yeah. when I, she when I first met her, she had killed some deer, mm-hmm. but never with a bow. So. You know, I, I bought her a bow and we got it set up. And she ended up the, her first buck is a is a dandy mm-hmm. that she and she went out early in the morning by herself. I had to go to work and and shot shot this buck all by herself, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it, just to see it progress and then kind of see the confidence go down. And then this year the confidence has gone, you know up so much because she's just been shooting does and mm-hmm. every raccoon and <laughs> every, she's deaf on raccoons let me tell you nice awesome. yeah <clears throat> so it's been pretty cool to watch that yeah that's really cool it's always fun to watch a watch a new hunter blossom not that you were necessarily a new hunter but a, a new new weapon for yeah. you so right. oh cool well, I, I got a few quick questions for you. Um, one, I know you're a, a, I think you're a recent saddle guy, Tyrell. Were y'all in saddles when you shot these? I know you mentioned you moved trees. Well, so the, the when Shane and I went out on the first sit for that tall and tight buck, I was in a saddle mm-hmm. on that hunt. And then I wasn't expecting to go out for a while, so mm-hmm. when I 
that week, during that week, I went up there and hung a stand, and then I took a stand in with me. Gotcha. When Carly and I went in there. So we had two stands. Okay. Because my brother was using my saddle. I <laughs> gotcha. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. I was just curious. You know, obviously it didn't make a big difference, but. Um, yeah. And then. Uh, have you hunted out of a saddle? I still have not hunted out of one, so I, I want to. Um, uh, this summer, a buddy of mine got one, and we went out to Broken Bow for a weekend, and he brought it. And, you know, we had a big pine tree in front in the yard of the cabin. So I, I climbed up into one and hung in one. And I will say, I mean, it was incredibly comfortable. Like, it was even more comfortable than I thought it would be. Um, yeah. And and shooting out of it didn't seem as awkward as I thought. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing holding me back from buying one. Um, I You know, like, shooting to my left was awesome. Even shooting directly behind me was awesome. Uh, shooting, yeah. to the, shooting to the right was a little weird, you know. Yeah, yep. It's it, that shooting to the right has got me in trouble mm-hmm. before. Yeah. Well, like last year, I shot three bucks out of the saddle, and uh-huh. the, and one I had had a hard time getting on because yeah. he was off my offside, you know. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm not. But the, I'm the not, mobility of them mm-hmm. is just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely get that, and so and that's one of the other things holding me back is uh. You know, we're, we're, we have one property that we're trying to sell. The other property that we're kind of moving to, there's not very much big timber on it. And so, like, most of the trees, if I need to stand there, I have one because there's just not that many trees to choose from. Um, and so, but I think when we, when we sell that other property, I think we are, you know, going to look for some additional property. And so, if we get a, you know, a more timbered place, I'll probably be in the, in the uh, market for a saddle. So, yeah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other question was, um, so uh, obviously, you know, y'all are wheat farmers, you know, like you're, you're currently planting, you know, thousands of acres of wheat, but you mentioned how you're hunting these over turnips. And so like, do you think that just having something a little different than what they can find everywhere else, you know, helped attract these deer to that spot? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah. All every every farmer around here, for the most part, grows wheat. Right. I was about to ask so, that. I assume if y'all do, everybody else around you probably does. Right. Yeah. And the deer eat wheat. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with planting wheat as a food plot. But I'm not going to plant wheat when I there's literally <laughs> thousands and thousands of acres of wheat. Right. Around me. Yeah. Now there, I do have one spot where there's nothing around, so I'll plant some wheat in with my other stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah. Once the so like right now people are cutting soybeans and wheat is just being planted and starting to come up here and there so it's kind of like a transition time mm-hmm. and like every buck in that section will show up on my food plot to have like a four acre food plot mm-hmm. that's just turnips and radishes and clover and, and winter peas and stuff like that just something different mm-hmm. so do your hammer it gotcha gotcha. Yeah, that's uh, that's something I've been playing with a little bit. Which you know, I'm not in an ag area; I'm in a cattle pasture area. So you plant just about anything, you know, you're going to get some deer on it. Um, right. So, but yeah, uh, our pro- or something that I've kind of noticed, or not necessarily noticed, noticed a little bit, but been worried about is uh, planting turnips in a hog area. You know, like hogs don't really mess with oh. weed or oats or anything like that. Um, but I, you know, I think once the, that turnip gets to a big size, those hogs figured out. And, uh, so I, I am a little worried about, I did plant some turnips this year. And so I'm kind of curious to see if yeah. they figure it out or not. So, yeah, I'll, I'll have to 
uh, follow along and see mm-hmm. see if they do. I'd be interested to see that too. Yep. So yeah. I never have never thought about that. Mm-hmm. So that's we're we're, uh, we're starting to get some hogs up here. We're like one mm. of the last two counties in Oklahoma to not have hogs. Man. And, and recently, several have been killed mm. right around us. So. Gotcha. Well, get to them early if you can. <laughs> Call the state. You know, tell the <laughs> yeah. tell the state to get the helicopters out there. So, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool guys. Uh, I think that's gonna about do it. Unless you guys have some some last minute insight or anything. No, no. We we we're feel definitely feel very blessed to live up here and and get to do what we do and and share it. You know, share it with others and. Mm-hmm build relationships through it definitely a blessing yeah so i thought of one last question sorry i know we were just kind of closing out there i thought of one more you're talking about the deer eating the leaves from the limbs you had cut yeah do do you happen to know what kind of tree that was oh yeah it's uh some kind of elm i can't remember what Hmm. some kind of elm tree gotcha and but one one problem that we have around here is a high deer population. Yeah. So, like, if you look in the trees, you can see, like, the browse line on mm. some of the trees, especially, like, the elms and different ones that they eat. <laughs> and and I've noticed that before. Like, I'll cut some limbs down, and the deer will eat it. And <laughs> I, when I, Shane and I set up there, I cut some limbs down on the edge of the field. <laughs> and then when Carly and I went back and set up closer by where those limbs were, I could tell that the limbs were just picked clean. And then I cut a few fresh limbs, and man, they, those there were some little bucks and does just camping out down there, hmm. eating those leaves like crazy. Yeah, I've heard of people doing that, like up in the northeast and stuff, where they have you know higher deer densities and stuff. But uh, I've I've never heard of yeah. it in Oklahoma. So if you're uh, if you're in the northwest part of the state, you might give that a try. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yep. Alrighty. Well. Uh, second outro here. <laughs> I uh, yeah. thank you guys for coming on, and uh, I do want to give you a chance uh, if you want to shout out your your Instagram and even your brother's, you know, his photography page and stuff. Um, just you know, if people wanted to follow along with your adventures, where can they reach you guys? Yeah, so my Instagram is Tyrell Roy, and I'm kind of desultory in my posting <laughs> or whatever on there, but uh. My, and my brother's Instagram is Shane Roy, and he he posts some cool stuff and some links to some videos and stuff that he does. And then and my name is just Carly Roy on there, Carly dot n dot Roy. I think is my username. So, awesome. yep. Very cool, very cool, and I uh, I got your brother's number from you. I need to give him a call. Maybe we'll have him on next week because he's a uh, he's laid some down too. So, yeah, and, yeah. Let's he's, see, and he's, I he's a killer. He is, and I guess you're tagged out now, huh? Yeah, I am. Man, of, we didn't have this huge house project. I'd be a little <laughs> depressed about it. Yep, yeah. I was about I to li- say. I that's literally went out to sit and shot two bucks this year. Kind wow. of crazy. <laughs> that's incredible, man. That's going to be a long dry spell till next October, though. <laughs> oh yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, cool, guys. I uh, I appreciate y'all coming on, and thanks for telling your story with everybody. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us. 
What an awesome story, man. I have a, a hard enough time trying to get one buck to come by my tree, much less two in the same day. So awesome story. Thank you guys for coming on. Thank you uh, listeners for listening to it. If you guys are having some success out there, please, please let me know. Send me a message or a uh, text or whatever. Get a hold of me and uh, you know maybe I can have some more of you guys on that are listening uh, because I love hearing these stories and I love learning from y'all. You know, Oklahoma is so diverse, like we talk about all the time, so diverse, and there's so many different ways to get it done. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love it. I'd love to hear from people who uh, maybe were successful in the bear woods or antelope, elk, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, just get in touch with me if you if you had some success this season because I I love to hear about it. So. That's going to do it for this week. Actually, I take that back. If you uh, if you are here for strictly hunting content, you can go ahead and leave. If you want to hear a little bit about college football, stick around for just a minute. Guys, what a season. What a season. What is going on? Uh, my Aggies upset Alabama after losing some games that they shouldn't have lost. OU had an amazing game against Texas, uh, pulled out the win. Spencer Rattler gets benched. Uh, LSU was doing terrible and then beats Florida out of nowhere. Uh, what a, oh, Oklahoma State, where'd y'all come from? Undefeated so far. Uh, man, I love college football. I haven't got to watch very much because I've had a, the same reason I haven't got to hunt very much, just all these events. But I am loving all the craziness. I, I'm a crazy uh, college football fan, I guess. Crazy in the sense of, like, I love the chaoticness, you know, of who's going to make it to the playoffs, who's not. Uh, you know, this highly ranked team gets beat by nobody and all that stuff. So, yeah, I hope you guys, uh, if you're still listening, I hope you are enjoying this college football season. And I cannot wait to see what's going to end up happening. My prediction, if I had to throw one out there, I, man, I don't, I, I'm all about Georgia right now. Like, not necessarily a huge Georgia fan, uh, I, but I think they have an amazing team. Uh, I'm really curious to see how Alabama's going to bounce back. I think they learned a valuable lesson that they needed to learn uh, getting beat by A&M. You know, I think they have a lot, of, a lot of young players that thought they were invincible, and now they know that they're not. So I think that's going to kick them into a whole other gear. So Alabama and Georgia are both going to be tough. I don't know about Ohio State. Um, you know, they've kind of picked things up here recently, but I just don't know. I just don't see it. I know a lot of people do. I don't. OU, I don't know what to think about y'all. Uh, I've, I've talked about how I'm not the biggest OU fan. Um, you know, I think with Spencer Rattler, it was not going to work out. Uh, this new was Caleb Williams, the new young guy. Man, he's doing good. Uh, he's doing good, but he's a little inex- inexperienced. You know, he's only he only has two or three games under his belt. And so I just don't know if he has what it takes to really compete when, you know, once they get towards the end of the season. So, but yeah, crazy college football. I absolutely love it. Uh, I hope you hunting people who were here just for the hunting didn't mind that I did that. Uh, and I hope you college football fans stuck around for it. So anyway, that's going to be the official end of this podcast. I'm done. I'm about to turn it in and I will be hunting my butt off this weekend. So love to keep you guys up to date and posted. Keep listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for supporting this podcast, and I will see you guys next week.